Welcome to Many Happy Miles, a podcast that celebrates all types of forward movement. Whether it's rowing in the head of the Charles or running over yellow and orange leaves this time of year, we're here to say yay to it all. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner. And I'm Sarah Wessner Flynn, and I'm saying yay to being back with you on the podcast, Dimity. It's been a bit. I know. It's been a minute. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a minute. It's been a minute. We've gone through, we've been hiking in the enchantments, and we've we've crossed uh, four final finish lines, and now we yes. are back reunited. And you so, yes. just, yeah, you crushed that, that final finish line series. It's um, so re- resonant with so many of our listeners, and I've enjoyed listening to your stories and those of your guests, and you're doing such a good service for you know those out there who can't run anymore or are dealing with chronic pain and chronic injury like that that's so important to speak to them and and let everybody know they've been heard and share stories of how you can kind of overcome it so from everybody out there, thank you for doing that. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Sarah. I, I appreciate that. And I do think that talking about it, you know, that's one of my things that I'm pretty good about doing. You know, mm-hmm. I'll talk about my mental health. I'll talk about not running anymore. You know, whatever, yeah. whatever brings, uh, helps people kind of process what they're going through. I think it's super helpful. Well, I do yeah. want to talk about running for one second because you are in the throes of mm-hmm. getting ready yep. for Marine Corps. So tell us when the race is, like, where are you in your training cycle right now? So I am just about four weeks away. When this airs, it'll just be weeks, like two weeks away. So wow. future Sarah will be in, in taper mode. <laughs> Present day Sarah is not in taper mode yet. And my, my, I'm still in the thick of it. Like you said, 20 miles done on Sunday, which was okay. great. And I'm so happy to say that it's in the rear view. Um, nice. and it was a, our first rainy run. I'm training with my neighbor who's doing his first marathon and we've had actually decent weather, a lot of heat, but no rain. And so Sunday was the first rainy run. So that threw a little bit of wrench in our plans, but it was actually wonderful. It was cool. And once I got past the heavy, soggy shoes, I was just fine. I have a few more blisters to, you know, uh, they look like sixth and seventh toes at this point because I just have (laughs) blisters on top of blisters on top of blisters. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. Um, And everybody who's probably thinking get better socks, get bigger shoes. I've tried everything. I just have really long toes and they don't like, they don't mix with running, but you know, what are you going to do? Gonna, what are you going to do? Did yeah. you change your socks at all during the long I, run? Probably no, not. I didn't. No, yeah. you know, it's just extra stuff to carry around. But um, I have to say, like, after my 18 mile miler the week prior, like I had some really bad blisters that were painful. These time, This time it, they weren't painful. I didn't notice them. So, you know, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And part of the training build and, you know, eventually they turn into calluses. Like my husband the other day, I was like, look at these blisters. He was like, what are those on top of your toes? And I was like, oh, those are calluses. I don't worry about those. <laughs> <laughs> we like those. They're tough skin. They're not going to yeah. blister there anymore. He doesn't yeah. look at my feet very often, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have them poking out of the sheets. That's what I, I was reading this article in the New Yorker yesterday about, I, I don't even know who it was. It was an actress who, there's a thing called wiki feet, wiki mm. feet that rates okay. celebrities' feet. Okay. Uh, so just be glad that you are not yeah. um, a celebrity <laughs> of that caliber. Be... I am as well because yeah. I do not want my feet being exposed to the world. So anyway, well, we wish you good luck Thanks. with the training. We can't wait to hear how it goes. So yeah, we will definitely catch up with you prior yeah. to that. And, and we will want a race report for sure. I will write one for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome changing topics here. We're going to introduce our guest. 
Our guest for today is Jennifer Strong McConaughey. She's a mom of two from Wichita, Kansas, and they are two little ones, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. She is an ultra runner, a mountaineer, a marathon swimmer, and an endurance paddler, as well as a fellow in the Royal Geographical Society and member of the Explorers Club. And yes, there's going to be a quiz after this. <laughs> you have to be able to tell, say everything that she does before. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. She's also an author times two. Her first book was Go Far, a culmination of 30 years of competing in endurance sports. And her next book, the newly released Go Multisport, is the first handbook for multisport athletes. It takes readers through the history of multisport and shows the reader how to go multisport on her own terms. So welcome, Jennifer. So excited to have you. Thank you so much. It's great to be here today. So Jennifer, you're incredibly accomplished, in, especially in endurance sports. So tell us how it all began. Were you into sports as a kid? I sure was. I I did my very first run when I was seven years old, and I have been a competitive runner ever since. And as I sort of progressed, I did competitive swimming. And then as a young person, I competed in triathlons for kids and kind of traveled around the country doing that in my youth while kind of doing school sports and that kind of thing. And I love how we started the intro with the head of the Charles because I actually rode in college um, oh, and everything we did was like, that was the best race and you had to be really good and qualify and go. And so when you said that to me, I got excited because this sort of multi-sport approach is kind of our topic for today. And I thought that that rowing reference fit right in as far as a running background, swimming background, triathlons, rowing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and I, I threw it in, actually, I got to tell you. So I rode in college as well, Jennifer, awesome. as did um, the other co-founder of another mother runner, Sarah Bowen Shea. Um, but my husband did as well. And he's actually going to the head of the Charles. He's going to be in a double there in a master's division. Wow. So yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited for him. He's he's never rode in it. He rode in California. So they never kind of made the trip to the East Coast to do that. So he's super excited to to have his debut there. That's awesome. What a great experience for him. Yeah, yeah. So Jennifer, how did you get into more extreme activities like marathon swimming, endurance paddling, and adventure racing? Did it kind of just organically grow from the time you were a kid? It did organically grow. And that's kind of the story behind my next book, my second book, Go Multisport, is after college rowing, I wanted to go back and compete in triathlons as a college student. And that's when I really kind of got into competitive triathlon. And around that time in the early 2000s, um, there started to be local adventure racing. And so I got really into the adventure racing scene while doing on and off-road triathlons. And so that was just a great setup to have a wide experience of different sports and not just running, but trail running or not just road biking, but mountain biking and not just pool swimming like I had done as a competitive swimmer or as a triathlete, getting into that more and more open water swimming in lakes and taking on some ocean swims and dealing with the different challenges that open water can throw at you yeah. as opposed to just swimming in a pool. Um, and so I just kind of kept doing different iterations of sports. And then in my 20s, I decided to do a marathon. And really, I 
right after my first marathon, I did um, a 50K. And so I kind of went from marathon or bam to, to ultra runner within a month. <laughs> wow. Wow. And then I just got kind of hooked on it. Luckily at the time, my dad was into ultra running and, and doing a lot. He was my tr run training partner at the time. And so I, I started just building up my ultra running distances and traveling around the world, competing in ultra races. But at the same time, I was always that multi-sport athlete at heart. I wasn't just a runner. And so I would swim for cross training and kind of simultaneously, I wanted to do further and further swim distances too, because running and swimming go great for training hand in hand. I have always found them very complimentary. If you feel strong out of the water, a lot of times you could feel strong in the water as well. And so I, I had the wonderful opportunity to not just travel around the world for ultra running, but also do some international swimming events like um, swimming across the Dardanelles Strait from Europe to Asia, escaping Alcatraz. That's a, a famous one. Yeah. And it, here in the United States, I also competed in, an, at the time, the new swim run sport, the hybrid sport out of Scandinavia, where instead of like in a triathlon where you have transitions between each sport, a swim run, you're basically swimming in your running clothes and then you're also running in a wetsuit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's really one of my favorite multi-sport combinations. But it, again, that's an evolution of, of ultra running. So if you're doing ultra running and ultra swimming, let's combine the two and, and do a swim run. And it's just a way of being what I what I talk about in, in Go Multisport, my upcoming book is being a progressive athlete. It's finding new ways to do the sports that you're doing. And you mm -hmm. don't always have to stick with the marathon progression, a half marathon and a marathon. Maybe you can try a different version or a different iteration or a different combination. And I just kind of use my story and my background as an example of that as a way to continually try new sports, new combinations, new versions of maybe the same sport. Maybe maybe you're always running, but you find new ways to be a runner uh, along your journey. In my opinion, that helps stay away from overtraining or escaping burnout. That's kind of how I've been able to pack 30 plus years of being an athlete in is just having that multi-sport concept uh, that you rotate through and use to keep things fresh. Mm -hmm. So would you consider yourself like a front of the packer, a middle of the packer, the back of the packer? Like where do you fall in the spectrum of athleticism? <laughs> I'm definitely a middle of the packer. And that's part of my story is that I want to tell people that you don't have to be the best. You don't always have to strive for a better and faster time. There is a, a place in that, in all of our sports journeys. And since I have been competing for so long, I feel like I did a lot of winning races and going super fast and really that focus on being the best when I was younger and in college. And, and then I just kind of got away from that because I was using sports to meet different needs in my life. And it wasn't, um, it's not always sustainable to always mm -hmm. just be better and better and faster and faster. Of course, you want to be improve and be better in different ways. But I started going longer and mm -hmm. really getting into the endurance and the distance. And so I had to kind of tr at some point trade some of that speed for the ability to just be out for multiple days at a time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
And that's like what I want to encourage other women and other people to do is that you don't have to go out and win. You don't always have to beat your previous time, but you do have to continue to push yourself in the ways that are right for where you're at in your process and your journey and challenge yourself in new ways. And it doesn't have to just be about being faster or winning. It can be about adding another sport in or trying a new version of your sport. So I felt like there was something lacking in the marketplace. A lot of the stories we hear about these super athletes that just, I just super fast. I go out and I push myself really hard and I great and I win. And that's not the story that I want to share. I want to share the story that wherever you are, wherever you're at, you can go out and achieve really great things and really fun things that you can invent and create on your own. And it doesn't have to always be forever about just getting faster. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and you can win those if you invent them, right? And you're the only one doing them. You yeah. can make your own medal. Yeah, yeah that's kind of the, the fun part. <laughs> that you can really take uh, take your uh, take your journey farther in in new ways that maybe a, a pre existing race um, or someone else hasn't dreamed up, but you're dreaming it up. Yeah, yeah. Well, so what's your most favorite adventure or multi-sport adventure you've had to date so far, Jennifer? Well, kind of the concept that I talk about in the book, the multi-sport concept itself is so we traditionally think about multi-sport as triathlon, the three sports of swimming, biking, and running. Mm -hmm. And then we can also kind of think about it like as adventure racing. So you might do uh, more uh, trekking or trail running, more uh, mountain biking, have more obstacle challenges, um, ropes course navigation throw in some paddling sports in there. And so I really kind of have built my multi-sport concept from the basis of triathlon adventure racing, but it's not about going out and doing a prescribed event. It's kind of saying, well, this is where I'm at and these are the sports that I want to do. And this is where I want to go. And this is the, how I want to travel via my own um, human power. And then you kind of create what you want to do based on your own personal goals And I kind of tell some stories through the years of maybe you start with like a a duathlon where you're biking and running or an aquathon where you're swimming, biking and running and kind of progressing. And so one of my favorite examples of a multi-sport that I created and designed to just do um, not a race, not a competition, but really challenging and really complex undertaking, almost like its own expedition. Like you think about going on an expedition to climb a mountain or an expedition to um, go hiking, uh, like a through hike or something. This is kind of an expedition, but for the weekend. (laughs) So you go back home and maybe get Mm -hmm. showered, sleep in your own bed. Okay. This multi-sport example. So I called it five for 35. So when I turned 35, I really wanted to combine five distinct sports for a full day of multi-sporting, but I didn't want to leave Kansas. I wanted to stay pretty close to home and I didn't want to have to travel or, you know, I wanted it to fit within my daily life. Okay. And so um, I did a lot of research and route planning beforehand, but found a state park that I hadn't really explored or gone to before. I'd done a lot of races and events in other state parks, but this was a new to me state park. So started off there and started off with a six mile trail run through the old growth forest and the timbers. And it literally was at the point where you have sort of the East Coast wood meeting the tall grass prairie um, of the plains. And so that was kind of a, a fun experience. So I'm literally out in nature running through a rainstorm. Sarah, I know you talked about your rain run. Mm-hmm. Um 
the, the day that I had planned to do this, it happened to be storming and it kind of waited for that lightning to pass and just was running through the trees, drenched, soaking wet, so much fun. It was still a little thunder overhead, but you know, no lightning at that moment in time. Um, so really just being out. So run to the lake and then hop in the lake and swim to an island. And then um, also like, one of the things I talk about is that you you need to have safety. If you are going to design these kinds of events and do them on your own, you know, having someone in the safety boat, having your crew, I'm not just out there by myself. <laughs> I, I mean, you could be, but with mm-hmm. maybe have people that you can meet up along the way, you know, or leave a map or a note behind or something. Cross this island and then swim to the other side where our crew met us with our bikes. Um, so hop on our bikes and bike through the Kansas Flint Hills and to meet up with a river and all of this, we researched, planned beforehand, had our gear, had our different food, like you do in a triathlon or adventure race or even marathon training. And then once we got to the river, swapping out our bikes for the fourth sport of the day, which was kayaking, and then kayaking down this river for 10 miles to where it flows into a reservoir. And then at that point, switching out the kayaks for stand-up paddleboards. So that is five sports in one day. It's similar to an adventure race, except the adventure was of my own making, my own creation. And I got to do a lot more open water swimming because that's what I love. I had a new stand-up paddleboard that I was, you know, really wanting to use and integrate and try. And I, I love biking and kayaking. So threw those in as a way to get somewhere. Started off with that, that trail run. And so it was just a, a way to go out close to home, have 12 hours of hot rain, wind, storms, uh, squalls while I was swimming, all kinds of experiences that I just kind of made up for where I was at that time. I was turning 35. I wanted five sports. So what Mm -hmm. Go Multisport does is that's just one example. There's a lot of examples in the book that kind of talk about what might you want to create? Where might you want to go? What sports are you? Maybe maybe you're injured and you're not running right now. And so maybe you want to throw some some pair rowing in or some more mountain biking or more swimming. Or I love to kind of find um, the sports that are um, they're human powered. So just like the focus of your podcast, you're going forward. It's all about the joy of movement, where however you're moving and you're moving forward like rollerblades. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about our rollerblading past before, Jennifer. To me and I yeah. share, we both have rollerbladed through New York City and oh in our younger goodness. days. <laughs> no, that's perfect. <laughs> so I'm trying to do some, some more rollerblading. And when my kids let me, I put them in the stroller and I rollerblade behind them and we try to, um, you know, go a little faster, a little easier than running. But when you're pushing two kiddos, it's not easy at all. It's like a power blade. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. A power blade. I like it. I like it. That's kind of a fun iteration of rollerblading. But me and I would love to go through New York City. That sounds super cool. That was our, that was the way that we commuted. Our Um, commute. Not together, but separately. Oh my goodness. How fun. We're going to take a break to hear from the brands that support our podcast. Please consider supporting them in return. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more multi-sport. So before we get off 5 for 35, a couple questions. So you said we, did you do it by yourself or did you have a team with you or how did that work? 
Well, it's really, I've, I've done various versions and it's kind of like whoever you can find at the moment, who's up for joining you. And okay. so my dad and I kind of did it together. And then my, I think he was my fiance at the time. We were getting married in about a month and we thought, oh, this will be a good way to, to, you know, throw him at the fire and see how, how he does. Um, so my fiance, now husband Parker joined us. Um, he, he wasn't trained in like the swimming or the running portion. And so he kind of did his own version of five for 35, which was just doing three sports. And so that's a way that like, if you have a spouse mm-hmm. that's not running or you have a kid that wants to join you, a, a, a teen or a 20 something, um, or somebody, you know, was like, well, I want to do the stand up paddleboard, but I really don't want to do the other parts. As long as you kind of have your route, you can make a plan of how each person can participate in a version that's right for them. Yeah. And so my dad and I ran, we swam, Parker did the kayak, and then we all biked together. And then we kayaked in our own boats and then did stand up paddleboarding. So Parker kind of did the biking, kayaking, and stand up paddleboarding portions without the swimming or running. Um, and then my mom, bless her heart, was the one that was driving the crew truck full of all these kayaks and uh, stand-up paddleboard <laughs> through the foothills <laughs> of Kansas, she like navigating back roads. And so you really have that. There's always going to be someone that like wants to be there, but that doesn't actually want to be doing the sport. And that person is a great crew person. Mm-hmm. And and you don't always have to have crew. If crew's too complicated, just do, do something that you can literally leave a bag out like marathon trading or start and end at your house. Like this was a progression of things that, that we built up to. Um, but there's just so many different options when you take out the race element of the day or the going super fast for time. It becomes more about having fun, challenging yourself, going and exploring. And that was kind of the heart of it. It was like, I want to do a multi-sport that's bigger, better, harder, logistically harder to go for 12 hours, harder to do all these sports and, and wear the right clothes between each one, because I'm not, there's no bathrooms. I'm not like going to be able to go change somewhere and get dry. I'm literally, you know, like, like a triathlon, sure. you're just wet all day and kind of going from one thing to another. Um, but, but that's kind of the joy of being out, the joy of movement, the go going by your own power and, and just having a great time outside, um, getting wet, getting dirty. Then going I home love and recovering. <laughs> yeah. Well, so um, so how do you do this if you don't have an extra garage full of like kayaks and paddle boards? And you know, I mean, I I love the, I love it all. And then I'm also like, wow, that feels like a little bit prohibitive financially. It can be that way. And so that's why it's it's not something you, you go out and buy all at once. For me, I've been acquiring gear for 20 years. And and if you are mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to start, used gear, used kayaks are a great place to start. Borrowing one from somebody who's maybe just sitting in their garage, not using it, so you can try it. Or like, you know, I, I always say thank you to my friends when I got into mountaineering. They let me borrow their their boots and their ice axes and their parkas because that was so cost prohibitive. Didn't necessarily make sense for me to buy if I was only ever going to go do one climb. Sure. And so that's such a a nice way of like having that community and giving back. If you know somebody that's wanting to try out, just like we kind of mentor people, new runners, we love to mentor a new runner and and help them along the journey. And that's kind of what um, this endurance sports community is all about is, is giving people the tools and, and say, and you know what? I have 
you know, you guys are going to love this. The rollerblades I use are the ones that I have had since I was 10. (laughs) (laughs) Your feet haven't grown at all, Jennifer. I'm surprised. (laughs) I know. They're rollerblades. So they're like that one size fits all thing, you know? And and they're, they're not. They've held up. You know, I'm not, I eventually, I do want to do some distance blading, like hundred miles. Wow. Um, but I, so I will invest in a pair, but for just going around the park, you know, I, I'm just making them work because I'm not doing it every weekend. I'm just doing it for fun. And that's the thing is that it doesn't always have to be the newest and the best. Start with that old boat, whatever boat you've got in your garage. Now start with that. If it's an old canoe, use that and make an adventure around that. Have a raft. We've built our own rafts and just done something with that. And that's, again, it doesn't have to be fast. It can just be fun and about creating your own way of going forward and then just slowly acquiring things as you go. And, you know, have, have, have maybe you have a friend whose garage you could store some stuff in. Our gear sometimes gets a little spread out over different garages. Mm-hmm. So you're making it sound very, um, you're taking the intimidation factor out of it. Uh, but I think there's probably still some people out there who are thinking, okay, I just, this isn't maybe something that seems approachable for me is to go out and swim in a lake I've never been in and, and run through the trails. Like, But you're saying it is doable. So how do people who are brand new to multi-sport take that first step and kind of create their own? Or is it that they do an adventure race or is it they find a club or what is that first step that you can take? That's a great question. And I think sort of um, a great place to start is like if you've done a sprint triathlon or you've done an Ironman, I know so many people out there that they've done that and then that's all they ever do. Um, or maybe you really want to try an adventure race, but it's kind of costly or it's far away or you don't have a team. Um, and so I just want to take those burdens or, or you've been running for years and you're getting injured and you need something new and you want to start fresh. So, um, I want to kind of take those burdens away and say, you don't have to have any of that. All you really need is what do you want to do? So I like to start super easy is, run to the gym. If you're going to go to the gym to do your cross training weight session or group exercise class, run to the gym. If it you don't want to go and it's a scary route, go in the middle of the day or find a workout partner that could walk, walk, run. If you're not a runner, runner, walk, run or walk there. And then maybe you take the next step and, and ride your bike there or rollerblade there. <laughs> and so that really gets you started on like that combination. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you've done the two mile route to the gym. What about taking that a little bit further and riding your bike to your yoga studio? That's more like five or six miles away. Um, you know, you're gonna have to figure out how to put your yoga mat and a backpack on your bike and take your bike lock. And so you're, you start thinking about like, oh, well, I need to wear something that I can bike and yoga in. And uh, so you just really start thinking, how can I get to where I'm already going by my own power? Yeah. Uh, what about, I'm one of my favorite ways to train for triathlons is to run to the pool and swim, um, and then run home and bike or something or bike to the pool. And so those are usually things that you're already doing. You're already going to go to do a pool workout. So is there a way that you can get there by your own propulsion? And, and sometimes it's not safe. You know, sometimes you really have to come up with a way. Like I love to work out at 5 a.m. Well, I'm not going to run at 5 a.m. in the dark by myself downtown to the pool. 
And so you might need to find a, a workout partner or a group or a training club or schedule your time if you work from home to where you go during the day where it's light or something like that. That's the fun is that you can do it. It's just a matter of how. And there's there's always going to be challenges and hurdles to overcome. Uh, but the, the way that I encourage people to start is just start, well, where, where am I already going? Do I need to take my car in to get an oil change? Could I walk or run or bike home? Could I start there? Do I need to be at, at a, a meeting for my church Sunday school and it's seven miles away, but that's during my workout time? Well, could I just run and have somebody pick me up or a friend give me a ride home? Like, can I just run to the meeting that I have to be at during my runtime? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those are ways that you can just sort of start thinking about like how you could get somewhere, do something by your own power. And then kind of the next level is that, okay, I want to get out of the city. I want to explore. There's a state park that I've always wanted to go to go to the state park and hike and get to know it a little bit and be like, oh, hey, there's a lake and, you know, put your feet in after your hike. And then if you've got that idea, you're like, well, maybe I could swim across this lake. I don't know. Is it safe? You know, do your research, find a swimming buddy, come back. And maybe after that hike, you do kind of a a mile swim. And, and, And that's for open water swimmers. You know, you need to build up to these things. But the point is, is just kind of, oh, look, there's, there's, there's biking trails at this lake. I'm going to bring my bike next time. And I'm going to, I'm going to run and then bike. And those are just ways of of just really thinking like, what sports could I combine? Or maybe you don't want to swim in the lake. Maybe you just take your stand-up paddleboard and you do that afterwards. So these are things that are already happening and people are already doing. And I just want to encourage people to link them and combine them and use their own human power to get to those. And that's, that's kind of the best way to start. I love it. I love it. Where does, um, I mean, Sarah and I were talking before you came on, Jennifer, and one of the things that scares me the most, although it's mitigated a lot by all trails on my phone, <laughs> is getting lost, right? Orienteering, like reading a map is not, I. it's just, I can read a map, but then to put myself in the map and know where I am and how to go from there is a lot harder for me. Just talk about orienteering and kind of like, is that a skill that you have, Jennifer? It is um, uh, because of my years in adventure racing and taking orienteering classes and navigating and just years of doing it. Mm-hmm. But I've gotten lost in Colorado before. Um, not lost, lost, but, you know, read the map wrong. Um, it hap- it's happened in adventure races. Um, and that's part of the challenge. And that's part of being out. So, of course, safety first. And we know this. I just feel like I have to say it. Like, tell someone where you're going. Sure. Have the emerge If you're in a different state, have the emergency contact numbers programmed into your phone. Phones don't always work. So maybe have a, a partner, climbing partner that you're with that has a different service carrier than you do. You know, like one has Verizon, one has AT&T or something. We've, we've done that a lot and that's helped kind of bridge some of those gaps. Um, but you're not really doing it alone. And I know that that's always hard for us women is because we want to go out and have be empowered to go do some of this stuff alone and absolutely run to the gym alone. But if you are going somewhere where you think that you might get lost, making sure that you're with someone else mm-hmm. so that uh, until you learn the area. And once you've gone out multiple times with someone else or a group and you've memorized the landmarks and you've really practiced reading that map for that specific area and you, you're not a hundred percent sure you're not going to get lost, but you're more confident taking on that specific section. And I just study, just study that map. You memorize it and visualize it and 
go to sleep with it and wake up with it and <laughs> memorize every other mountain range around it. So when you look up and you're like, well, that's that mountain. And I know if this mountain's here, then this one's over here. But, you know, it, it's, but that's part of the fun. It, it, it like comes a lifestyle. It's not something that you're just going to do one time. Like the more you study, you're like, well, maybe I could run to the mountain and run back or bike there. Yeah. But it's just, that is something that you have to, if you are going to go out and make your own routes, just a lot of route study. And I, happen to enjoy that. But you can take orienteering courses and that might be something fun where you go out and, and do that for a fun afternoon or they call it row gaining. Um, I have friends in South Africa, they do all kinds of row gaining. And doing those little courses can really help and empower those map reading skills and actually practicing it. Because it's one thing to sit in your guest cabin and be like, I got it, and then get out there. Um, yeah. But use the landmarks um, around you because sometimes that really helps too. It's not just being like so focused on the map that you're not looking around and trying to read the actual elevation or landmark signs around you. That's just one of those practical things that I do is trying to match the map to what I'm actually seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Just as an aside, um, Dimity, we had a guest about a year ago named Meg Ryan on. She talked about pacing and she just did rim to rim to rim in the Grand Canyon. And I was reading her recap and it said, we did the buddy system and to assure our NARPs at home. And I was like, what's, do you guys know what a NARP is? <laughs> I had to look it up. I do. Non-athletic do. regular person. Yes. That's what, uh, <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard that. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> so when you go out on these adventures, you have to make sure your NARP at home knows exactly where you are, <laughs> what you're doing. If you're with the buddy, I was, I, I got a good laugh. I was like, I am old and I don't know what that means, but Jimmy, you know, I, I know it from student. my, from my college student. It's because right. uh, she's an athlete. So she calls the, she's a college athlete. So everyone else is a NARP who's not in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Jennifer, one more question for you. So you have a two and a four-year-old. So are you still doing like these kind of multi-sport things as you are caring for the ankle biters? Absolutely. So a lot of this, this journey, so kind of my first book, Go Far, was really about that ultra running around the world, marathon swimming around the world, climbing super tall mountains, some of the seven summits. And then I was like, okay, I want to start combining these skills that I've learned and that kind of, you know, route finding, mountaineering, super rim to rim to rim. I did that combining all of these expedition style sports as things that I can do in my daily life, at home, on the weekends, go do a training run that's just for fun and throw on my pack raft and pack raft down the river to get back home. And so that's really the next evolution is that I didn't have to, I love traveling. I still like to do that, still do it, but I don't have to keep traveling all over the world. I can still take these concepts of exploration and expeditions and route finding and logistics and do them in my own backyard in a way that's sustainable, affordable, fun, challenging, um, but really a way that's sort of life-giving and sustainable. And so that kind of fit right into where I was at um, having children in my life life. And so that child phase, we love to do multi-sport with the kids and they're still in that stroller phase. And so some of those things that we did, you know, we would do hiking or we would take the stroller and we'd move the attachments. So we'd do a run and then we'd move it and do the bike trailer behind us. And then we'd throw the kids in the backpack and do a hike with our Siberian Husky. Um, And that was kind of our multi-sport kids triathlon, all based for kids. And then in the winter, we have the ski attachments so we can take them out. Uh, but they're, they're slowly getting to the point where they're older and they can do more. And so the other weekend, we went to a park 
and we threw in their bikes and they rode their bikes and we ran. Um, and then we did, I put them in the stroller for a snack break and I ran around the, the park and did a six mile roller blade. Um, and then we let them get out, play on the playground a little bit, you know, practice their obstacle course moves for adventure racing <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then they got on their scooters. So that's like a kid's multi-sport. Like, yes, our car was full of gear and we had to kind of hustle moving to one to the other, but everybody was out. We were all enjoying a beautiful day, looking at the lakes and the trees and the kids got to swing and we got to run and they got to bike and they had a little break and had a little snack. And so again, like it's wonderful to travel to Idaho or travel to Canada or go to Montana and do all of that stuff with the kids, but you can also do it wherever you live on the weekend. Um, it's going to take some effort, but it's going to be super rewarding and super fun and absolutely travel and go do that kind of stuff with your kids, but don't do it at the expense of just going to the local park down the street where you can have just as much fun, uh, kind of cycling through sports or whatever, wherever is right for the children at the age that they're at. So when they get yeah. a little bit mm-hmm. older, we're hoping to do more bike packing. We have a big raft. Uh, we're going to do some rafting trips with the kids. And so that the raft is one of my newer versions of sport I've been adding into my multi-sport arsenal. Uh, you know, pack rafts are small inflatable boats that you can put on your back and run or hike with or bike with. Um, but we have literally like a whitewater rafting raft that we're going to do some expeditions on with our kids and our family as, as they get into this like next phase, uh, where they can actually swim. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and so it's, it's totally <laughs> a, a, a family lifestyle. It's totally something that you can do with a partner, a parent, a friend people that are interested in doing it with you, your kids, it, it's really adaptable. Uh, again, you don't have to go fast. You don't have to win, but you just have to be out and to finish and have a good time and enjoy it along the way. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer. This is, I, I gotta say you, um, you have a, a way of like being like, Oh yeah, I'm ready to go do that. I'm going to go change yeah. my clothes. <laughs> I have paddle boards. Yeah. Take that yeah. Out there. I want to go whitewater rafting now. I, I, know. Know. <laughs> I was like, Oh, it's a good season. Why not? It. Yeah. A bunch of rain. Yeah, yeah. Lots of water. <laughs> awesome. Well, good luck with your book. Go multi-sport which is available for pre-order in all the different spots that you would like the Amazons, the Barnes and Nobles of the world. And yeah, let us know what your, what your next adventure is. We can't wait to hear about it. Sounds great. It was wonderful chatting with you both today. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jennifer. Hey friends, I just want to let you know that our fall edition of Simply Nourished Like a Mother, the eight-week foundational nutrition program that we run with dietitian Ellie Kempton starts Monday, October 18th. So a little less than a week if you're listening to this on the day that the podcast drops. It is such a great course. We are going to spend two weeks on each of the macronutrients, learning how to use them for your to bring out your superpowers, which is increased energy, increased focus, increased metabolism, increased joy and mood, all those things. It really does come back to how you nourish yourself. So if you would like to join us, I can very personally attest that it makes a huge difference in both how you think, look, and feel. So Check it out in the show notes below. And again, we start Monday, October 18th. For eight weeks, we are intentionally going over into the holiday season to help us through those speed bumps that, you know, gingerbread cookies and Hershey kisses and all the things can throw our way. Okay, check it out. Our podcast today was produced by Barry Medore of Fire on the Bluff in St. Paul, Minnesota. <laughs>